This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Earth Star Voyager, Part 1. Before she vanished six years ago, Vanguard explorers sent out probes. We've just received a report from one of them. It gave us the location of that, Berenson Star. And in orbit around it is a planet we've named Demeter. We haven't been able to decode all the information yet. This is the best picture we can give you. We have some readings of an acceptable atmosphere, but we're still not sure if it can support life. Voyager's mission is to answer that question, because if Demeter is suitable, we're going to have to move there. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast staffed by precocious kid geniuses. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you today, I feel like a real souffle in the brain department. <laughs> I think I missed that line. Did you? You missed that oh, line? Oh, no, wait. The, the gym teacher. Yeah. That, oh, that's dear. my favorite line of the entire show. It's a pretty good line. Yeah. It's a pretty good line. Uh, so this week, we're watching part one of the TV movie, Failed Pilot. I guess it's two TV movies, really. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, to a show called Earth Star Voyager. I, I'd never really heard of it before. I'm sure you hadn't. No, I haven't. I found it. I think I found it for our list of shows while I was doing a deep Wikipedia dive into like weird science fiction programming. And this like popped up along the along the way. So it ended up on the list. Aired January 17th and January 24th, 1988. That was two weeks in a row. Yeah. Two and it was part of this thing called Disneyland, right? Well, it, do you remember the wonderful world of Disney? I do. Yeah. That's what it is. It, ah. I think at this time it may have been called the magical world of Disney. I actually did a bit of a, a digging around on this because I, I was like, hey, that's that's cool. Uh, I remember that. And because obviously it's like it was an anthology series. They just showed like various TV movies they made for it or programming they already had. But uh, I did you know it's been running since 1954? I didn't until I looked at this and I saw that. And I was like, wow, that's a really long. I mean, it makes sense because that would have been the beginning of these Colgate brings you whatever show and well, you, Polly Sporin brings you something else and Disney must have brought you these movies. Did you read why Disney started doing it? Like no, when I started didn't. syndicating it out to all the different networks? Uh, they did it because uh, Disney needed to raise money for Disneyland. Oh, well. So this is like, that was a direct result. I mean, it's been on, it's gone on and off the air a couple times for a few years at a time, but like more or less it's been on since 1954. It's great. I, I didn't realize it was still on. Is it still on? Apparently it's, uh, from what I read, there's still a variation of it going. It's crazy. I guess it's still a good way to pay for building more theme I mean, parks. I think, or, it, or just just adding to their. Just put it on the pile. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Scrooge McDuck pile. Uh, also, uh, I looked into. Uh, I was kind of curious. I'm like, well, what was on? Uh, what was on before and after Earth Star Voyager on uh, Magical World of Disney? Uh, and this was this is ABC, right? Uh, ABC. Although I think it's been on most of the networks at right. one time or another. So what was on before and after this? Uh, so the show before it was uh, Flight of the Navigator. Oh, yeah, okay. You remember that, right? Yeah, you know what's funny? I only watched that in the last 10 years for the first time. Someone was like, you should watch Flight of the Navigator. And I'll say, the first third of that movie is amazing. It's so dark for a kid's movie. And then it becomes a kid's movie. But the first third, I was like, I'm in. I only remember it from being a kid and being like terrified but fascinated by it. Yeah. And I, I think that must be the case. It's like the first third must be like too much to bear yeah yeah it is it's, it was pretty great um and then the uh after after this it, the week afterward uh rock and roll mom 
<laughs> I don't I don't remember rock and roll. Neither mom. do I, but what a title. It sounds like one of the ill suited Hulk Hogan uh movies that were put out. It's like <laughs> it's like he's a mom and he's whatever. He's Hulk Hogan. And you're like, why? Who made this movie? Uh just Hulk Hogan fans. They they demanded yeah. it. Rock and roll mom. Is that what it was? Yeah, rock and roll mom, rock singular. Right. Oh, just the just the one mom. Just the one mom. Well, you know what the sequel would have been? No moms? Yeah. Dad. No, Rock and Roll Moms is the sequel, and then the third one is Rock and Roll Dad. Mm, rock and Roll Grandma at some point. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Actually, we could do that. Let's bring it back. It's been it's Why been thirty five years. Rock and Roll Grandma's back. It's probably just, longer just than go, that, right? Just leaf, it, leaf it through the properties and like, what do we have? What do we have? Hmm. Rock and Roll Mom. No, this in a while. I think Heather Locklear might have been in it. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. You want to get into this? Yeah. Well, I do want to talk more about Rock and Roll Mom. <laughs> we'll watch it later for our sidecast. Here's the IMDb summary for Earth Star Voyager Part 1. The Earth Star Voyager is a spaceship sent to another solar system to prepare for colonization. Earth itself is horribly polluted, so the mission is vitally important. But as the departing starship gets underway, signs begin to emerge that their mission may unwittingly be part of a larger conspiracy. And that was courtesy of uh, Ben Hallert. What they forgot to mention, Ben uh, forgot to mention, is that this show has an inordinate amount of scenes where no one's saying anything and just looking at something. There's a lot of those. You think so? Oh, yeah. There's a couple scenes where people are just like looking at a screen or just walking quietly. And what's interesting is this kind of TV movie, usually it's the opposite. They they can't stop filling the screen with dialogue. It's just constantly people talking. This kind of does the opposite. Like there's there's obviously there's a lot of talking and, and exposition stuff, but there's also a lot of scenes of people just pushing buttons and things. I guess. I mean, maybe you're right. I did find it like, I didn't find it overwhelming. I did feel like it moved at a reasonable pace and then I was yeah. just, I was able to follow along very It was easily. definitely not overwhelming. I was, I was not overwhelmed by it, but it's, it starts off in outer space. 2082. 2082. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're, get, we're getting there. We're getting pretty close. We're, we're not too far. And uh, some great model work here, some miniature work. Like we yep. move along a spaceship and uh, we see the side of it's been blown out. It's, it's that very Star Wars-esque shot now at the beginning where a ship, you know, you start seeing it goes, it's getting bigger and bigger. What they do is they go to the side and then you can see it's clearly been damaged and there's yeah. like sparks and stuff. Did you catch the, the name of the ship? No, I think they said it later. What was it? The Vanguard Explorer. That's right. Yeah. Pretty decent name. Mm-hmm. What we find out is on board is Captain Jacob Brown, and he's uh, he's saving a crew member from the wreckage and putting him in an escape pod. Yeah. But uh, what has happened is, uh, I guess, members of his own crew have mutinied against him. Yeah, that's what seems to be uh, what the viewers led to believe, is that he's sort of helping this guy. He gets the guy into the pod, and just then he's going to get into a pod to shoot off to somewhere. And then I think they, they might say it's his second in command or something like that. The guy's sort of like, I'm taking over the ship, and he's all like, What's there to take over? You've blown it up. They got named Vance Arthur. Vance, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like I like their guns too. They have like forty barrels on the front of them. Was that right? I didn't like notice. There are forty tiny barrels on this like <laughs> front of this flat gun. But yeah, like he's he's here. He's just like, hey, I want you to make an announcement to the crew. I presumably saying, Vance is the new captain. Everybody, yeah. And that's how it works. That's how it works <laughs> in the how future. Mutiny works. This is, I think that's generally how it works. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Captain Brown managed to get away with. Uh, he's a classic science fiction hero. Because do you know how he gets away from uh, old Vance who's got a gun on him? He, he attacks him in some way, right? And then skips out the other direction. Yeah, but what what attack would a classic science fiction hero use? It was some sort of drop kick, was it? Absolutely. Yeah. He, his go-to move is to start kicking, which yeah. is, it's amazing. I, I think we see it anytime there's action. And not to spoil, but later on at the end of this, there's also a lot of kicking. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, 
I'm telling you, his go-to move is always kicking. He's a yeah. real legs man, and I think you might know judo. <laughs> judo he, is a re- he is a real legs man, yeah. but it does work because he kicks the guy, jumps back up the stairs, gets himself into the pod. Yeah, these little white plastic escape pods. Yeah, and I think we forgot to mention that I think there was a bit of dialogue later on where they earlier they go. They, there's nowhere really well, for yeah. them to land. They're so far out of known space. There's no space stations anywhere. So yeah, like he shoots off, and I think Vance gets up, and he's just like, "Rest in peace, Captain Brown." Yeah, like that. And that's that's our introduction. And to then the show. we go into awesome, awesome opening credit to music. Did you love it? I, it was a very upbeat. But I did. Yeah. I did. When it came on, I'm like, "This is wonderful." Yeah, it was just. It was so of its time and unironically presented of just like and and just really uh powerful music like all synthy and then also something i don't know if i've seen before in credits which is they have the characters the what? actors faces and they're sort of getting like they put like a wireframe of where the face will come and then yeah. they like fade that into the ca- but did you notice face. it's not the actors names it's the character names it, that's what i found really interesting this is i think how we'll get into is we'll we learn each character's name their job and their age as we get into yeah yeah it. that's so right. we can kind of talk about the characters but I mean, how, how, when you saw the characters' ages coming up, were you just like, oh no, ship of Wesley's? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially the one kid, because he's like, what is he, 14? He's 14, yeah. And he's a redhead. <laughs> he's <laughs> or, got nothing going for him. All right, let's, let's go through them. So there, there's kind of, I guess, arguably our main character, Jonathan Hayes. He's the uh, command specialist, age 21. I'll just say this. So far, he's about as bland as possible. Would you agree? He is like, yeah, he just kind of is a handsome young man. Yes. And I would say uniformly across this show, it's all pretty wooden acting. Like no one is really knocking out of the park. I mean, to be fair, it is really like they have cast everyone to be like teens yes. and, or slightly above. So we're, we're not talking about a lot of like grown actors, I think, with a lot of experience. Right. That's for sure. And then, of course, here's our 14-year-old. Jesse Beanstalk, uh, computer sciences is his, is his role, and he's age 14. And they call him Beanie. Beanie, I know. He's uh, That's his name throughout the show. He's a child prodigy. Yeah. His, uh, I believe at some point they say his IQ is off the charts. They can't even measure his IQ. <laughs> that's, that's the best. When you get something that's off the charts, you oh, know you've you, done well. You've done really great. And at some point, he's, uh, it's introduced that he's fixated on aliens. <laughs> yeah they just drop that in later they well they uh, like a third of the way through the show they go like oh like you know he loves aliens and then later on they're like i bet you hope it's aliens yeah. i was like what a weird thing to see is he gonna see aliens later and be excited is that what they're setting it up for i don't know because yeah, not spoiling there's no aliens there's no this, aliens in this no. entire tv movie so it was a f- weird i mean kind of fun he's just like i just want to see an alien for some reason <laughs> he's like uh look this is just for you and me he's like those cops and inhumans that just really want to see the space dog Oh, yeah. Just want to see that space dog. Just once. Once in my life. Just once. And then we have uh, the next character we get introduced to in this opening title sequence is Sally Arthur, MD, Mm -hmm. Space Medicine, age 24. (laughs) Space Medicine. That's the best. I I LOL that so hard. Yeah, Space Medicine, and she's got a real head of hair. She sort of looks like, uh, what's her name from from Night Court? It's very... she is, she's 24 years old. She looks like she's a 40-year-old woman with this haircut. Like it's, <laughs> it just, the haircut is so disconcerting because it's the wrong haircut for a woman her age. Well, it, it's of its time. I That's true. But it, I, at first, had a trouble determining what her age was going to be when I first saw I'm like, oh, what's this haircut? Marky Post. That's what I was thinking. Same haircut as Marky Post. Everybody, get on Google. <laughs> Try to remember who Marky Post is. Was this Night Court? Is that what you said? Yeah, Night Court. What a poll. Um, and, uh, her brother of course was Vance from the, uh, Vanguard, uh, 
explorer who okay. just who just threw the captain off the ship. And I'll admit, I didn't catch that till later. Of that, that's who that was because the names were just kind of coming, and I was like, oh, I'll catch up later. And then I, 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 it was a major connection you should make is that that's her brother. Well, they, I mean, when they finally get to her, uh, like they'll they'll later spoiler meet up with some of the characters we saw in that opening bit, and they right. kind of are like, that's my brother, right? And of course, she is the crush. Of our uh, lead Jonathan, yeah, they kind of they kind of lean into that a little bit later in the episode. It, it is funny when they finally do like kind of reveal it. She's just like she's discussing who she's had crushes on, and she starts talking about a her, professor, her bald old professor she used to have. Yeah, who that when she found out he was married, she tried to starve herself to death to get his attention. Yeah, it was dark. It was a weird, a weird chunk of dialogue that they just threw out there. And that uh, she's telling to Jonathan, right? Mm -hmm. And Jonathan's not phased at all because he's already thinking of what he wants to say, which is, my crush was you. Well, yeah, she's like, who is your crush? And he just like, he's like, she was a blonde lady who was really into medicine. She's like, yeah, that's me. He was like, you ever seen Night Court? (laughs) You ever seen Night Court? Yeah. (laughs) Similar Erica. Yeah. Um, All right. let's, Let's keep going. Then there's a uh, Huxley Wells two, nav- two navigation. Two on the nose. Two on the nose. Navigation, age uh, eighteen. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with his name? It's just it's dumb. Well, what do you mean? Because <laughs> it's Huxley and Wells. You Come mean on. you mean the authors? Yes. Uh, what what are the names? It's Algis Huxley and um. H G. H G Wells. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. I've, I almost said Orson Wells for a second. I'm like, that's not right. I mean, that could have worked too. War of the Worlds, but yeah. you didn't like it. It's kind of fun. I don't know why it bothered me. It just seemed like the laziest thing to do. I don't know. It's just, anyways, I mean, different he's the, And he's the only one. It's not like I know. the whole cast is that way. He's just like one of them where he's like, yeah, let's have some fun. Yeah, okay. He is, uh, he's our ship Lothario? <laughs> yeah. Mark? Well, if you consider, well, yes, they, they play a scene later on. Can I say what it is? Yeah. They play a scene later on where uh, they all, all the characters, will explain why, have to make a sort of a call, last call home before they go on this mission. And they do a series of him calling a bunch of women that he clearly was having relationships with all at the same time. Uh, and breaking up with them. And breaking up with them and going like, oh, no, I love you. And then, of course, he can't remember their all their names and hilarity ensues. But later on, as we'll get to it, the better, the best love story is him and the computer. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But it is funny because they establish him as a authority. But like once he's on the ship, he's not really that like flirty with anyone. No, he doesn't do anything to uh, to warrant that reputation. But he does do coin tricks. That's right, yeah. Just some coin trick flips it around in his hand. That's true. Okay, what a fun guy. Do you think the actor just knew that co- that coin trick and they're like, oh, we got to put that in the movie? No, that's definitely a writer's choice. You think so? <laughs> I don't know. It originally was like a Rubik's Cube or something. He's like, no way. Watch like, this. I, I can't solve that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to combine these two characters because they're so minor. But there's Lana Maiori, Communications 816, and Luz Sanson, uh, so Sanson, something like that. Communications age fifteen, and uh, they're kind of two communications people. They're yeah. two uh, two young women. Uh, they do not pass the Beckdale test at any point. Uh, they're always talking to each other, and they're only ever talking about hooking up. Yeah, every scene they talk about, and almost specifically about that fourteen-year-old. Not uh, exclusively, but almost always about. Well, him. definitely, Lanny wants Luz to hook up with beanie she's just like you gotta do it you gotta hook up with beanie and she's yeah. like i don't know if i want He's like yeah you gotta <laughs> you gotta hook up with beanie but i mean uh lana herself is just like you guys this crew they're just boys we gotta hook up with them yeah well it is funny i actually like obviously it's not the most like they don't give them a lot to do so it's like they oh, oh they've got less than nothing to nothing do. nothing to do but i did like they kind of like 
they're you know they've kind of got a bit of a like there's an undercurrent through all these teens on the show just like hey you know what we should do uh, we should hook up and i'm just like no that's not dis- like if you put a bunch of teens together it's probably get something we're yeah, gonna hook up like i was like not not the worst thing um and then we have leland eugene md psychiatrist age 22 oh right yeah wait did we talk about the exercise guy he's not in this opening credits oh he's not in the opening credits yeah okay. we come to him later I mean, we can talk about it if you want. But there's also a guy. I don't know his age. There's also an exercise guy. Um, I want to know why he was in a space psychiatrist. <laughs> and we have we have a uh, a space science, S- space medicine, space medicine. Why not space psychiatry? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he and you have to tell me how you feel. This. I felt like he looked exactly like Zach Wood from like Silicon Valley and Veep. Well, you know who that is. He's no. one of he's one of no. the. I don't. <laughs> he is uh, one of the four, four horsemen from the X-Files. The four horsemen? What are they called? What the lone gunmen? Lone gunmen. I call them the four horsemen. In my in where I grew up, we called them the four horsemen. <laughs> the, the lone gunman. He's one of them. Uh, the guy uh, with the beard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. He's good. I he like is him. good, actually, in the role. I, I like he, him. He actually might be one of the stronger actors in this. Well, he, Him and um, uh, um, uh, Jacob Brown. Right, right. He plays it very robotic for the most part, but that's actually to do a reveal later when he's just like, he's actually kind of got a little bit of sense of humor and mm-hmm. like people just don't, he's just like, he's good at his job. He's like smart, but like people like don't like him for it. Remember when I called the uh, the lone gunman the four horsemen? <laughs> Everybody knew exactly what you're talking about. There's not even four of them. No, I know. I knew it was wrong, but I was like, I think it's close. Uh, and finally on this list of, of characters we're going to meet, it's uh, Jacob Brown. Former commander, vanguard explorer, age 36. 36. Oh, he's quite a bit older than them. Quite a bit older. And what's fun is when we see him in that opening scene when he jumps in the escape pod, uh, he's clean shaven. And then when he appears in this credit sequence, I'm like, oh, he's got a full beard now. Yeah. So much has happened to him. <laughs> yeah. And and spoiler, when we when we see him again, which we will shortly, he has a huge beard. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we finally get back to him, he's basically a hobo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's, he's, not, like, he's fine. He's a good actor and stuff. His character is like, I can't tell what, like, he's kind of a jerk. He's kind of a I know. jerk. I, I don't think they ever landed on. He's not quite Han Solo enough to yeah, pull Yeah, they didn't, didn't quite land on what he was supposed to be. Or the actor and the writers had two sort of different ideas. But you're right. He's sometimes kind of this, like, somewhat roguish guy. Sometimes he's a bit of an older brother figure. Sometimes he's kind of an action star. Sometimes he's kind of a bit of a man of mystery but it's kind of it's, depends it's, on the scene to scene it's close but it just does it never quite gets there. I, I mean, agree it's pilot syndrome basically for yeah. some of this stuff for sure all right what do you what, let me ask you though the more important question beard or without the beard oh beard i agree yeah he looks great with the beard yeah 100 percent, just like you <laughs> thanks i do have a beard right now uh oh they can hear it <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh we jump now from space 2082 to planet earth 2088 yeah, six years have passed. Six years have passed. Uh, Earth is uh, the exteriors we see are a, a bit like uh, almost human or um, Blade Runner, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, exteriors rainy. It's uh, overcrowded. We see a monorail go by. I like the monorail. I think it's probably. Uh, I think it is shot in Vancouver, just like almost human. So like it has those feel and like it's great. We kind of get a, a little bit of world building here. We like hear uh, uh, what, what do they call it? The um, audio from the supernova lotto jackpot. <laughs> And it's announcing the uh, 172 million world dollar jackpot. Is that what they said? World dollar? I think that's what they said. The world dollars. What a what a currency. I like though in this scene, you really do get the sense of how bad the environment is, was what they're they're putting forward. 
because it starts raining and everyone not only has umbrellas, but they have rain jackets, rain jackets that also have like, um, I didn't quite catch it first, but I think it's just their oxygen things That's, to put under their nose. Yeah. They call them breathers. And as they, as the, oh, rain, right, breathers, as yeah. the rain starts coming, like there's an announcement saying, Hey, uh, like over the PA says rain coming, uh, oxygen levels. Okay. And like, they're just like yeah right like the oxygen levels here are any good at all like there's like this implication that like earth is in pretty bad shape yeah like you can't be in the rain and when the rain comes it also hurts the oxygen yeah i, I didn't it, whatever who knows maybe some sort of acid rain that it might something. work i mean yeah. it's it's a nice but it is a nice piece like it really quickly sets up just yeah. like the stakes and we spend very little time out there because what we see is uh jonathan and beanie are kind of walking talking about school he's complaining that he got a 9.3 over all his straight 10s but he's like years ahead. Do you remember what uh, what our young genius uh, only got nine point three in? No, what is he? Because he, he hates. It. He's like, why do I need that? Oh, it, I know it was. Uh, it wasn't math or science. It was like art or something. It was music appreciation. Music appreciation. He doesn't yeah. appreciate music. <laughs> well, who needs it? Who needs it? Um, but we do. We do get a, their like save the cat moment where there's an old lady in the rain and she's having trouble breathing, and they like carry over to an emergency oxygen tent mm-hmm. and uh, get her breath going and like. Uh, Jonathan's like, I've got an extra breather when I left the house. Here, you take it. And she's like, thank you so much, boys. You know what they say. I'll be right as rain. And they're like, what? What does that mean? Yeah. And she's like, so that's, an, that's an old expression. You wouldn't know. We're so far in the future. The rain isn't right anymore. Yeah. But I was thinking about it. So this is 2088, right? Yes. So she's conceivably, how old do you think this woman is? Let's put her at 75. So 75. So what does that work down to? She would have been born in what, 2008? Is that right? No. 2003? Oh, this is so sad. I don't know. Anyways, early 2000s. She was recently born. Yeah, she'd be recently born. Yeah. It's crazy. She'd be like roughly, she'd be roughly a teenager right now, this lady, if she existed. Yeah. Maybe younger even. How about that? Mm. How about that? How about that? Let's (laughs) think about her some more. Yeah. And she'd just be like, just a kid walk around going, it's right as rain today. (laughs) As kids do in their 2000s. That's That's what they're up to. Yeah uh they go uh, get some food at the uh, i believe it was either called the better burger or the butter burger i i couldn't quite hear i it. didn't catch it but i liked everything about this so what they get it's a uh, clearly some sort of fast food restaurant yeah. which is what you do is there's a screen mm-hmm. and obviously as you know as it looks as good as the 80s can and you put your hand on the screen and it immediately knows who you are i'm assuming there's a system that every computer knows who you are it's not that you've been to this restaurant yeah. before so they put the thing they know your name you give the order and then what you do is uh, you sit at a table, a round table, and the middle of the table comes up and it's got your order in it. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, it does something else too because when he puts his hand against it, it like gives him a readout of all the nutrients in his body. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it basically suggests what you, what you could what be you eating. should eat. Yeah. Except for Beanie when he puts his hand on, it just yells at him for being overdrawn from his accounts. That's right. Um, but it also it, it also shames you for free. It, sh- it shames you for free. Uh, did you? Uh, I tried to write down some of the order. We were watching a VHS sort of transfer, so like some yeah. of the audio is a little drowned out. It's not too bad actually, as far as we've yeah, watched. There's a couple. Worse. Yeah, there's a couple dropouts. Um, but Beanie's order was uh, three super burgers with extra sauce, uh, NutriShake, ThermoShake, and then a bunch of variations on fries. And I. And this has been uh, mentioned in the past, but I love seeing future food and the hamburgers they were eating or whatever. They, what did they call them? Super burgers. Super yeah. burgers. They clearly were. I think they were veggie burgers. The veggie burgers because they looked like like compressed grass in like a cube in a bun. Well, the buns were cubes, which is weird. Yeah, everything was cubed. It's like the old Robocop where the, the cups were uh, squares. 
What a great idea. Yeah, right? Why? Why are we not using squares? Um, and as they're eating, though, they, their, their tiny little pager they carry, they get a little message and they've got to come back to the academy because uh, something's going on. And it's here we get to uh, sort of meet the whole cast that we already went into, minus Captain Brown, of course, because he's off in space somewhere. And at this briefing, we kind of get an idea of what this show is going to be about. Um, all the people here, they're, they're all, they all have a sta- outstanding achievement records. And they've been selected to serve on the Earth ship, the Earth Star Voyager, the newest interstellar ship under the command of Captain Forbes. And they're doing it because Earth is in trouble. Yeah, I think they say something like the radiation rings are failing or something like that, right? Yeah, the outer radiation belts, I guess, around near us are, are at like an all-time high of radiation. So uh, there's not much time left for Earth. So, they, so the mission of uh, them is that old vanguard explorer that we saw at the beginning that's it's been missing now for years no one knows what happened to it it's gone mm-hmm. but before it disappeared it shot some probes out and one of those probes found let me see if i can get the name of this thing oh here. yeah yeah the, the planet uh planet demeter mm-hmm. in the uh near the barson star which can possibly support human life yeah it, it might be a suitable earth replacement yeah. and if it is it'll take about 40 years to build enough ships to get everyone off earth to this new planet and so they need to send a scouting mission there and that's what uh, the earth star voyager is going to do 26 year trip round trip round trip yeah 26 year round trip even with fusion generators and the uh bowman drive and they also mention i don't know if it's here or in a scene a couple scenes later they're going to use cryosleep which i like it's mm-hmm. great it at least keeps it in the realm of reality but did they say they're gonna be awake for two days and then sleep for one day cryosleep is that what they said the cry- this is kind of what was interesting they introduced the idea of cryosleep where you, and you think that's their way of like Oh, now they just don't have to age. It'll be a quick trip and they won't have to age. But what it is, is it's a still 26-year trip. But for every three days, they'll only age two days because they'll sleep. In, so basically, they'll freeze themselves when they go to sleep. So when you sleep for that eight hours, you wake up. So uh, the idea is they're still going to travel for 26 years and they will age at that rate. But just like kind of a third, like two-thirds of that instead of what, like the yeah, entire thing. But I didn't quite get what was the point of that. So instead of being 50 when you get back, you're going to be... 35 yeah but it's i mean why does not age at all it's because i don't know i guess I think, they need to fly the ship that answers that well that's i mean that's why it's all kids going is because it's such a long journey right they'll be adults when they get back i don't know i mean plot wise i don't actually think it has much to do with anything i think it's just like and we can we'll talk about this as we go through and we'll see if we agree on this but the show drops enough like i'm sure not like fully real science but enough like like the idea that you'd freeze someone for like the time they sleep so they don't age quite as much when they get back like there's just like little elements of like you know it's a it's a science fictiony idea like even the bowman drive they talk about right. how it's like a lot like it's based on some sort of like theory of uh, like elasticity in space and they never go into details but all of it i felt like was enough to sound like real enough that it was like right science fictiony but vague enough that it's that thing that's kind of fun but what i liked most about it is that the captain who's going to be the captain of the ship, mm-hmm. he's talking to these young cadets and basically he's like, you're the cream of the crop. You're going to be the crew. And he just explicitly says, so here's the deal. I'm in my, let's say, 30s, maybe mm-hmm. 40s. I'm probably not going to make this trip. So this other guy's going to be the captain if I die, which I probably will. And I was like, wow, one, how bad would it be to be a guy in your late 30s, early 40s and have to have a crew of teenagers? And then also just like, you're, you know, you're not coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's part of what I liked about it was just like it's like it's it's a long term space mission where like the idea is like you know you'll leave but you're not going to come back because it's going to take too long. Right. Like 
there are these elements that I, I that I found unexpected in a show, and I thought it was going to be just a bunch of kids. I'm like, oh, there's some weird, like, not super hard science fiction ideas, but like, certainly like it's this is not Star Wars. They're like, right. we're going to go out there. I'm not going to come back. It's too far, but I'm here to shepherd you halfway there. And then you'll have to bring yourself. And I don't think I mentioned the person who re- is going to replace him as captain is Jonathan. Jonathan, yes, the, he's a he's our command specialist, so he's he's kind of next in line for a command. Oh yeah, and in addition to all that, because of that radiation field around the planet, uh, as soon as they get past it, no more communications with Earth. Right. They're like they're off on their own. Like they set up a lot of just like you're going to go off. And you're just going to be all on your own. Once you and they're leaving there. like immediately, right? Like the next day or something like that. Yeah, I think they get like 48 hours leave yeah. to uh, get themselves ready. And they've all been selected by one person, Admiral Beasley, mm-hmm. who uh, they're all shocked to hear is alive. I guess he's just been sailing around out in space for many years. And they, they kind of talk about, they're worried about going out there because they've heard that the OTZ still has an outpost out there Yeah, somewhere. the OTZ. Uh, do you remember what that stands for? Oh, I wrote it down. It's the... Um... It's the outlaw, outlaw something technology zone. That's right, right. Which apparently used to run half of Earth or something. Like they're like some sort of weird group of militants or something that were like yeah. driven off the planet. So like they kind of set up all these like little seeds of like things out there in in, in space they're gonna run into. The forty eight hours leave. We don't really see much. This is where we see a little phone, a video yeah. phone call where he breaks up with everyone, and then we we see like Beanie call his mom and break up with his mom. Like we kind of just <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. we just see the kids all say goodbye to their families and. We just jump right onto the ship. It's nice. They don't spend any time. There's like, let's yeah. go. And can I mention one thing about the ship? You get a few shots of, no, this is the basic bridge. You know, you're going to see the bridge and you see the exterior and you see a few other kind of rooms that they do stuff in. And we can talk about those when we go. But the main part of the ship seems to be this very large, open, cavernous. It almost looks like a mall without the stores. Yeah. And in the middle is this, I'm assuming some sort of engineering core. Yeah. It looks like a bit of a reactor or something. Yeah. But like. I couldn't figure out the geography of the ship because it seemed like every time they left a room, that that's where they went. So well, I'm assuming everything's around the edge. Yeah, I think that's the case because actually when the when the bridge doors open, you just see right yeah. out into that. And it was interesting. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's a big open concept main floor with like huge skylights, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it didn't look bad. No, it, I actually th- I was like, this looks all right. This is an interesting looking interior of a ship. Um, this is uh, where the the man you've been so excited to talk about, uh, Brody Arnold, the uh, physical fitness tech. Uh, they meet him as they come on. His job is to like keep them in shape for now, the next twenty six years. Now let's say you're a you're a, a teenager, I mean, a horny teenager as we've seen, and you got to go on this thing. You know you're gonna be gone for a long time, and you got to meet a guy who's like a gym teacher. It's the worst. It's the worst. But I'd be like, oh, you guys didn't tell me about the gym teacher. You got to stay in shape. Yeah, and I mean. That gym teacher is going to have a great time. If he's anything like any of the gym teachers I had in school, it's going to be an awful, awful time. You are just like Beanie. I am just like Beanie, yeah. Because Beanie saw him. And without, like, without the without the off-the-charts IQ. Beanie sees him, and he's like so mad that there's a gym teacher there. And he like really treats him like he's a dumb meathead. And I'm just like... I, like, why do you think he's stupid? He's one of the, he's probably one of the most elite academy people here just because he like is a physical fitness trainer. I'm with Beanie. Yeah, Beanie, Beanie did not care for him. Um... They go and look at like a little, we get a little map of the ship we see and they, Beanie's, Beanie like runs down what's there. There's 40 lounges. What are they going to do with those lounges? <laughs> yeah. Uh, three libraries, real difference between lounges and libraries. Yeah. And uh, Beanie gets so excited about this when he finds it, but he's like, an interdenominational chapel. <laughs> I didn't remember that at all. I was like, Beanie loves church. It was Sorry. It was an interdenominational chapel. Yeah. Oh, nice. He, he was 
extraordinarily excited about it. And then he, you he, got your Baptist, you got your Lutherans, you got your United Church, you got anyway. Keep going. How many? Can you <laughs> How got any name? Uh, you got your brethren. You got your Pentecostals. You really know your uh, sect. Yeah, thank you. I don't mind denominations. Um, and he also notices there there's a nursery, which, uh, much like you, Beanie's very worried about marriage and having sex with women. So he's just like, that's not mandatory, is it? So, but it, they did had planned that that might happen. They might be having kids in space. Well, they say it's just like you, you guys are like the forefront of like a colonization mission like you're good like and it's 26 years from now yeah you're you're probably gonna start families yeah beanie was not he was not prepared for that though no i'd have been like beanie too i'd have been immediately nervous and, and thrown out <laughs> and well yeah. i mean Le, uh Luz and, Luz and lana are nearby lanny and everybody have been like hey how about him isn't he cute and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> i'm off to the interdenominational chapel <laughs> gotta not gotta pray to my lord <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is kind of like it's interesting. The ship, we get to see the bridge, and we meet the AI you referred to earlier. Yeah, Priscilla. Priscilla. Uh, C- can we talk about what's unique about Priscilla now? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, Priscilla is its actual name. It doesn't stand for anything. Nope. And you, you, you can correct me as we go in this because I'm going to make some mistakes. So, Priscilla is a essentially a supercomputer AI sort of thing yeah. that doesn't run the ship, but is their interface slash yeah. the computer they're going to speak to. It, it can run the ship. But it doesn't have to. Like, you can kind of turn it on and off. But as opposed to most of the sort of things you see, you know, e- you know, easiest comparison is Star Trek. The computer has a personality, and more than a personality, it's actually based on an actual person. And weirdly, I thought, oh, it was like on someone who died. It's someone who's alive right now. Yeah. Um, well, the Bowman drive that's power in the ship, that uh, inventor Bowman built the computer off his daughter's brain. So it has her memories, it has her feelings, it has everything that mm-hmm. she is, and it is what runs the ship, basically. So it's very, so it's got a full personality. But what's weird is that it also has her memories and her feelings about things. So they'll play later on, as I think we mentioned earlier, that she might have a crush on Huxley. Well, I mean, this it, the Huxley walks on the ship, and the sh- ship is horny for Huxley. Yeah, it's so, it's, you know, what do you think the benefit is? Obviously, having a... um. Uh, a personality someone that you feel comfortable working with is interesting for a computer but what is the benefit of having like its memories and and like what what if it has a grudge against someone well beanie apparently was ha- uh, was involved in the creation of priscilla and he and when when it starts like just constantly hitting on huxley he's just like oh we thought this might happen but uh, i'm a little surprised <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, well. and also like when she's hitting on huxley she's like i've looked at your record i'm like What's on his record? Yeah. I mean, he, and I know. He, and he goes like, how did she access my records? I was like, what's the computer? His computer, it knows. But I mean, but, dude, yeah, what is his, on the record? His records have how much, of, how much of a ladies man he is? Yeah. There, there's a file on 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 love interest and they just flip through all, all his uh, conquests as they were. Or is, like, or is it just like his medical file and he's just like hung? <laughs> no, no, it's all the STDs he has. <laughs> the space STDs. The computer's really into that? Yeah. Well, it knows it can't. Nothing can happen to it. I guess that's true. What does it care? Yeah. This guy, but this guy's a noted lover. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it'll know how to please this AI. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it doesn't entirely work, but it's an interesting. It doesn't idea. work. Um, and they're as they are about to launch, the uh, Admiral Beasley pops on the screen and uh, kind of gives them a farewell tour. And w- Admiral Beasley will pop up throughout the show, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of, it's just the nature of the show. Is Admiral Beasley is on a different ship, 
we never really need to see what's happening on that ship other than like kind of what he's up to. So the, we only ever see him kind of, I guess, in his quarters. Yeah, he's kind of sitting at a desk with a screen sort of to his side that he keeps. He can get, look and talk to his captain or yeah. whatever. But he, yeah, it's like the set they built is all of like a foot behind him. And his scenes are like, are, like they don't really last for more than 30 seconds at a time. So it like, which is fine. But it's just very funny watching them because you're like, oh, this actor came in for one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like bang, 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 bang these off. Yeah, he just keeps taking calls. Yeah, people just call him, he answers a question, and he just goes about his business. The engines boost, which is what they call it. Engines boost, they say. Engines boost. Which I actually really liked. And the uh, Earth Star Voyager is on its way. Can you say that next time you eat something in public and just really loudly pump your fist in the air and go, engines boost. When I eat something? Yeah, you're like, you've eaten, you took a bite of a sandwich and you've you've increased your energy. I think you'll make friends all over the place. All right, well, I'll try it out. <laughs> yeah, try it tomorrow. I'll try it out tomorrow. Mm. Well, energy boost. <laughs> like that. Engines. Engines. <laughs> Sorry, was the Four Horsemen? Yeah, the Four Horsemen, yeah. I believe. Their, their first stop is the Junk Belt. Well, I started watching this. I was like, guys, you got to have stakes better than this. So what basically happens, their first obstacle is they drive into the weirdest looking sort of like, I'm guessing just space garbage is it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's just space pollution. It's like old satellites and stuff that just tossed into space. Have to drive through it. And uh, it, we get a nice, like, computerized visual, visualization of it. Like, it's a uh, classic 80s, like, blue screen, mm-hmm. with, like, wireframe yeah. things flying at them. And I kind of like, there's an interesting thing, because they're flying through it, and they're like, put the shields on. And I don't think I've ever seen shields used in this way before, in that they're like, junk's hitting the shields, it's draining power. So uh, the captain's like, hey... Uh, flip the shields under intermittent so we're not sucking so much power out so like the shields are now like turning on and off and just right. reflecting most of it but some of it's going to slip through and cause some damage and i was just like i don't think i've ever seen the idea of shields worked in this exact way where like that like usually it's just like they're on or they're off or they're off and i, I thought it was an interesting way of like thinking about the power supply hmm. of it I just i don't know and i think this is a big thing i'm finding in the show i like is like there's weird ideas that are like seem science fiction enough and like like oh that's an interesting thought I've, I've like never seen that before and like i guess it makes sense i don't know don't you think though to illustrate that point they could have come up with a little bit more of an exciting scene i mean it's not the stakes are not high the drama here is not gripping. well i don't think it's supposed to be i don't think it's supposed to be that high stakes like it's not like at no point does it feel like they're never going to get through it's just kind of right. like a little like it's it's the first stop on their adventure kind right. of thing i don't know it didn't bother me as much anyway it didn't bother me i just thought yeah um, there are no banshees. There are no banshees. Yeah, your favorite show. <laughs> um, but I did. It was funny. Uh, they do kind of do that annoying thing where uh, they're like, "We we need to get through." It. And Jonathan, who's not the navigator, no. it's Huxley's the navigator. He takes manual control and like navigates the ship through. And someone does at least comment. They're like, "I can't believe a ship this giant could fly through that." Because that mm. was my thing. I'm like, "It's too big. You're not going to dodge everything." And it was just weird. I'm just like, he doesn't have to be good at everything. Like. This could have been Huxley doing it. Like, yeah. At least he's well, the navigator. That's the thing. They all, they have the uh, the challenge and the problem that a lot of these shows that have large crews and large casts have, which is there's only so much dialogue to go around. And what I think a mistake they make with these shows, and we've seen it in the past in other shows, is they're so desperate for you to like your the lead, the main mm-hmm. character. They give them everything, and then you end up with these other characters who don't get developed for episodes and episodes. And even in this, like you mentioned, those the two the two, uh, the two communicators. communicators yeah we don't know anything about them i mean huxley doesn't get much i mean yeah. dr sally doesn't get much like it is they really try to focus on beanie and yeah. jonathan and i get that they're trying to like set their leads but it would be nice to just pass it around Agreed. 
Uh, did you do you know why he's so good at navigating a junk field? He did it in the past. What was it? When he was seven years old, he was good at dodgeball. <laughs> That's what it was, right? <laughs> uh, but did those, you, those are transferable skills. Did you think about this as they flew through that junk field? They could really use a quark in this universe. Picking up garbage, space garbage. That's like if you true. got that much space garbage, That's just true. call a quark off. We've mentioned a lot of previous shows so far in this podcast. I mean, there's there's elements of a lot of shows we've watched. That's true. All right. Well, well let's keep going. <laughs> Uh, the ship is minorly damaged from going through this junk field, so they, they send out a repair crew. Captain Forbes is like, I'm going to go check up on the repair crews out at the airlock, make sure everything's going okay. He, he wanders down, and they've just finished up, so he walks into the... Uh, hmm? I was just going to say, as soon as he gets to the airlock, I was like, he's going to get sucked out of the airlock. The, mean, the only reason to go to an airlock is to get sucked out. It is very specific. He's like, I'm going to go look at the airlock repairs. I'm like, this is not going to go well for you. <laughs> I know, right? Like, now, if, if you and I are on a spaceship at any point in our life, Luke. And you're like, can you go check on the airlock? My answer is no. No, absolutely so. not. Why don't you go down? I'm going to go have my uh, my uh, square burger here. <laughs> but yes, he, he heads down. He he goes into the airlock and is like looking around, inspecting the repairs. And the, of course, the door slams shut and the computer tells him, uh, prepare for egress. <laughs> That's right. Which I really liked. What I also really like, though, is he's like banging on it and be like, somebody help me. Somebody notice what's happening. And they cut back to the bridge. And it's exactly like if your teacher walks out of the classroom. Like he walked out. Yeah. All the kids got up from their stations. They're all hanging out, chatting, leaning on yeah, walls, yeah. not paying any attention to anything. I was just like, I'm like, this is authentic. And egress happening. Uh, you, no one's noticing the alarm. The alarm going off on a console because as soon as the adult walked out of the room, they're like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. What do you? What did you? Uh, you catch the? You catch the show? That was pretty good. Uh, but eventually, Jonathan does notice that there's like an error in the airlock. He heads down just in time to see uh, the captain blowing straight into space. Yeah. And uh, this means it's now Captain Jonathan to you. And like, how long do you think they were in space before the captain went? Uh, six hours, Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't even make it a day. I mean, w- this is just J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Yeah. Like, uh, this is the exact plot to it. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not wrong. You kill the, You just put your cadets on, you kill the captain, it's like, no, you're the captain. Like, all right, yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? They just didn't have, um, uh, what's that band's name, The Place of the Start? Oh, Beastie Boys. They don't have any Beastie Boys. Yeah. That would have improved the show. This was the time, 88, Beastie Boys are around. Imagine if they had the forethought to have like a yeah. new Beastie Boys song. Yeah, that'd be something. Like, way ahead of their curve. So as they're looking into how the captain was killed, they because uh, originally Beanie gets blamed for not checking the repairs properly. He gets, yeah. he, gets, he, gets, he gets ripped a new asshole for a second. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, John's like, it's your fault, Benny. But they find a command buried in a new pro in another program and realize there's some sort of like, something's going on. Someone killed the captain on purpose. And uh, Captain Jonathan tracks down our old uh, psychiatrist friend, Dr. Eugene, and kind of like tells him, I need you to go back. I need you to check everybody's bio psych review and uh, see if someone could have done this. And uh, yeah. what I like is Dr. Eugene's like, I looked at those. They're fine. What do you want from me? He's like, he's like it's probably a shoddy repair crew. And uh, the captain's just like, I wanted two hours, you smart ass. Oh, you know what he says? He's like, he's like, no way. That would take like a day to do. And he's like, I said two hours. And it's like, did you imagine you're at, you're at work and someone asks you to do something? You're like, okay, I could do it. It's going to take all this time. And they go like, I want it faster. Like if that happened to me today. Someone's like, you want it faster. I was like, that's great you want it. It's not going to get any faster. Like, that's that's wonderful. That's what I would have said. I said, that's great. Expect it in two hours. I'm, I'm going to go eat another square burgers. You're not getting it. Uh, too bad. Two hours. <laughs> yeah, that's like, great. Good for you. He just walks. He tries to protest. He just walks away. He's like, two hours. Goodbye. 
But it's funny though because I actually don't think he checks back in with him for like forty-eight hours. <laughs> I think it's the next time we see Doctor Eugene right. is when he checks in on it. It's like so much time has passed. So the Earth Star Voyager is now you know floating through space, and uh, they come across a space station, the Blue Star Gamma, that's been abandoned for forty years. Mm-hmm. Power still going. It was it was left to be sort of an outpost, I guess, if anyone needed. And they still need to repair. They need to do some repairs to ship with uh, extra vehicular like repairs i guess they need to fly around outside we don't get to see any of that unfortunately but as they approach sort of the space station they also scan it and the computer tells them there's a life form on there and i will say this again was some of the best parts of the show is the model work here it was it was the opposite of space rangers that didn't know how to do scale i agree the like earth star voyager from what we've seen is a massive ship and as it comes up to this space station that space station's at least a thousand times bigger than it. Like right. the sense of scale this show has, I was just like blown away. I'm like, someone really cared. Someone cared more than I can believe on this show. Right. Cause it looks great. Like it looks like a star Wars or something. Do we mention their uniforms? We haven't. They're all best. They were all wearing like classic one piece outfits. Yeah. It's a real, a real I like army it. crew. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really want to see anything other than that. Really? I mean, it just makes sense. Like, they're supposed to yeah. be cadets. Like, why wouldn't they be in a, a, a sharp uniform? Yeah, a nice sharp jumpsuit. It's, it's very good. Um, unfortunately, because we don't... Well, unfortunately. Maybe it's not unfortunate. We don't get to see the repairs. I don't know why I'm desperate to see these repairs. <laughs> you just want to see a show called Space Repairs. Space Repairs. Show me how you repair a spaceship. Uh, but what we do see is Captain Jonathan and Huxley do a, a search of this space station to see if they mm-hmm. can find this life form. And this is, of course, when we see this, like crazily haired and bearded hobo looking man he looks like uh like a caveman like his hair is he's tom hanks on that yeah. island yeah he looks he he's well he's been there for six years he's been there i've got it written down five years seven months three days here's what i'm telling you what he what he has not been doing even though he's had most of the ship and clearly some power in the ship he's not been able to shave or cut his hair but what he has been able to do is work out. Oh, yeah. We later see him take off his shirt and he is cut. Yeah, like, like surprisingly so. In fact, they do a medical exam on him at some point and they're like, you just have a slight vitamin deficiency. Like he's been taking yeah. very good care of himself other than his facial hair covered in lice. <laughs> but uh, they bump into uh, the cap- Captain Brown from uh, the uh, Vanguard Explorer. Mm. He zaps Huxley with some sort of antimatter ray. Well, no, first he shoots him because uh, they, they come across him and he's like, ah, oh, like intruders or whatever. He freezes him first. Yeah, he shoots him. Uh, Huxley freezes in like a blue, like, I don't know, like what is yeah. it, force field or something. And then and then when he's frozen, no, he shoots him again. He unfreezes him, but then shoots an antimatter. No, because he freezes him in this thing. So he's in this like he's frozen in, in stasis, I guess, because he doesn't remember what's happened. Not moving. He then throws a can at him in the stasis. When the can hits him, it oh. bounces off, hits the floor, and the can melts into an antimatter blob on the floor. Right. And I'm like, this is all cool, but I need some more information. What's weird about it is that it's never explained and never mentioned again. I have to imagine it'll come back next episode. Yeah, it must. They spent so much time setting up the idea that you can put someone into stasis with maybe an antimatter beam, and then if anything touches him while he's in that state... It'll dissolve the thing that touches it into a blob of antimatter that you shouldn't go. Because as soon as he's unfrozen, Captain Jonathan's like, get away from that. It's, it's yeah. antimatter. Like, they, he just save him. And then after all this happens, uh, uh, this uh, Commander Brown guy comes out. He's like, well, uh, here's my gun. Yeah. Let's, let's get on your ship. Let's get back on the ship. Yeah. I know. He's like, like, you just assaulted this it man. Was, it, was a, it was a scene that didn't quite work because they, I mean, just listening to this, you know what they're going for. It's like he's been by himself for a long time. Yeah. He's he's maybe not entirely there in his head, but they don't 
really lean into that enough. So it's like they kind of go halfway where it's like he's a little bit antagonistic. It's like, but eh, let's get in the ship. I mean, it, it it wouldn't have taken much to make it work. It just kind of never because he freezes him and unfreezes him. And then he just comes in. And they're like, well, let's go. And uh, like, you know, he kind of just froze this guy. But if he had come down and, you know, they're just like 21 and he had just like thrown his weight around and made like basically mm-hmm. cow. Like it would have been very easy to kowtow them, but like it never quite. Yeah, they never quite get it's, there because they really just want for a show that. It's not that this show's plotting, but the show takes its time. But this is like, they're like, all right, well, let's just get him on the ship. The real thing is they want him on the ship to have this vague position because I'm not sure what he's supposed to be he's, doing on yeah, the ship. Yeah, he's not going to be the captain. Jonathan's going to reign the captain. He's basically going to, he is going to be basically an advisor, I think. He's kind of going to be the grown-up who advises them, but he doesn't really take command. Did you notice that he has a particular stance on the bridge that he takes all the time? No, I didn't. Which is Jonathan sitting sitting in his the, ca- the command chair which is sort of by itself and then facing the screen. And every single time, what's this guy's name? The Brown, Captain Brown, Brown. Captain Brown is on the ship. He stands with his back to uh, Jonathan, but looks over his shoulder. Oh, I like it. Every single time. And I was like, what an odd. It's so dramatic. Well, yeah, very, very dramatic stance. Anyway, it's weird that every single time they go to the bridge, that's how he's standing. There, There's a lot to like about the actor playing him. He's a lot of fun. To yeah, watch. I like him too. I do like they bring him back in the ship and they head straight to the bridge with him. This is where I feel it's just like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Because they walk into the bridge and like there's a big alarm r- ringing. It says uh, alien boarding, alien boarding. <laughs> yeah. Which it seems a li- like it's more alien like you've crossed the border than it is like. Other. Right. Right. Because they immediately the computer immediately scans him and IDs him as a uh, Captain Jacob Dryden Brown. <laughs> Gets a middle name in the middle of the episode. Oh, but 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 then he also gets to have a real shower scene real quick, so you get to see his ripped body. You get his ripped body. I know you get a, you get a real good look. Did, at him. did you notice in the showers at one point? Because uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's an, an ultrasonic shower. Yeah, sonic shower. Um, and did you see the part where she's like, "Keep your mouth closed." No, <laughs> she keep your mouth closed. I was like, "What happens?" Oh, I guess it's ultrasound. I don't know. You get all that sound in your mouth. She break, breaks your teeth. Yeah, just like a like them. a cartoon cat. Like it's Tom and Jerry. The teeth just shatter. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Um. What I do like is he gets on the ship uh, and kind of he cleans up, gets a nice beard on, and yeah. he's like inspecting the crew, and he's just like, and he this is like it's like a ship full of kids, right? And he looks around, and he's like, what is this, the good ship kindergarten? Like, where am I? And I did like his just c- complete incredulousness to what's happening. Yeah, because here's a person who arguably went on the same mission, just fly out into space forever. They didn't load his ship with kids, right? He's just like, what is going? On? Like, I've been gone six years what's happened why are kids in charge now yeah and again they they sort of don't quite land on what he's supposed to be but he does sort of becomes an advisor but it's weird that they're like like, yeah here take a uniform and you're now part of the crew i mean to be fair what else are they gonna do he has the training they id him as an actual captain like if anything they should be like oh i guess this is your ship like we're children yeah well fair enough Uh, he's he's nice of him not to take command that's all (laughs) he's quite uh quite uh i guess accommodating to these children he's too busy uh exercising later that's true. Or uh, as we learn in this exact same scene, fighting with the computer who he used to date. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did that too. The, he gets on and the computer's just like, ugh, this guy. You can't trust this guy. And he's just like, that voice, Priscilla? And he's just like, it's just a computer. It's not the real Priscilla. He's like, oh my God, I used to date the computer. <laughs> it's just such an odd choice. It's, You know what? I've never seen so much stuff with an AI before, like so much backstory. Yeah. It's very funny. Although uh, you have to imagine then. So if he, if she she used to date him, he's just Huxley then, right? He's just got the same attributes that this computer loves. Well, how old is the computer too? Because Huxley and, and uh, a Brown, Brown, 
are vastly different. Well, age. I had that thought the entire time too, because I'm like, if you dated Huxley or Brown, he's 36. This kid is 18 maximum. Like, lady, I think we have to worry about. It. I think you've got a problem. Well, as you mentioned though, he does. Uh, Captain Brown does head over to the gym to work out with the phys ed teacher. Now I have to say. I think this might be my favorite thing in the show. This is so much mime work here. Yeah. So I, I walked in I'm like, there's going to be a lot of mime work in this gym. Huh? So what I like about this is not only do you see it once, but they go back to it again. And so what this is, is it's going to be a regular set. Yeah. They, they really are playing with the idea that you're living here. This is your home. And there's a lot of upkeep training that you need to do. And one of those is, as we've mentioned, there's a physical instructor. So they all go to the gym to work out. But I'm assuming it's a little bit of, wouldn't it be fun in the future if we have this? And it's a little bit of maybe there's not as much space for uh, actual yeah. physical space for stuff. But what we have is they're working out with sort of like little sensors on their yeah, hands. Little suction cups when they put on your hand. And there's also, you also see later on, there's like little, like a little cube they maybe put on the floor and that's maybe projecting. But what it is, is it's giving you the resistance of a weight. So you see people like curling so curling weights and stuff but there's nothing the gym teacher has a tablet and he kind of sets like i guess right. what the sensors in your hand are giving you like pressure wise the resistance or whatever and so you're doing weights without yeah you're seeing people miming yeah. lifting weights and and it goes on forever the scene of them exercising and i just could not stop watching the people in the background because they had to do so much mime working out it was wonderful it is so it is uh, it was a lot of fun like even when the the phys ed teacher gives captain jonathan more weight and he has to like pretend like the yeah. thing he's holding got heavier i'm just like this is crazy you guys have to do so much mime work on this show but yeah. like i love the choice to be like everybody when you come here you're pretending and there is a scene i don't know if it's this one or later on i think it is this one where I'm never gonna remember his name brown um, brown brown comes in and he just clearly checks out all the women. Yeah, yeah. He just walks in. He just like looks at one woman's butt and then another one's butt. There's another one like bending over. He's like, huh. Yeah, maybe the ship's not so bad. I mean, in the future, it's uh, the age range has gone off. Like some bad policies have come into place. But a little bit we see in this too is because uh, Captain Jonathan's working out. Uh, the comms uh, lady, Lana, Lanny drops by and she whispers to him. She's like, hey. You should investigate that very suspicious psychiatrist we have on here. I think he might be involved in that airlock thing. And, and then he's like, why? And she's like, just trust me. She's like, I, ha I have a feeling. And now, not to spoil too much, but like, we'll come to learn it. He was not involved. But I did think at this moment, I'm like, are we introducing latent psychic powers? I thought the same thing. I'm not sure we're not either. I think we may come back and there may be latent really? psychic powers at some point. I, I thought the same thing. And then I thought, oh, I was just projecting well, she, what i wanted well into but the she show. even says because she's like how do you know and she's like i just have feelings and like my feelings are usually right like she really mm -hmm. they, they butter up this idea it's like is there going to be latent psychic activity who's to say i don't think there will be who's to say what's uh, here's what i'll tell you there will be more uh, mime weightlifting i mean there is more in this episode. in this episode that's true <laughs> um but speaking of the conspiracy to uh kill the captain the old captain Back on this bridge, they pick up on their sensors, their radar, that there's like something, some ship on the very edge of it that's kind of following them. And what we come to learn, not uh, not the crew, of course, of uh, the Earth Star Voyager, but the audience learned that it's it's the uh, Trident Cossair, uh, Admiral Beasley ship. And he's sort of following them the mm -hmm. entire episode. We'll cut back and forth to him. And he kind of knows everything that's happening. Like He knows the captain's dead. He's like, they're following, they're watching them. And they seem to imply there's some sort of like, conspiracy and he's he's responsible for what's happening on the ship so he's got mm -hmm. his own agents on there it's an interesting idea like do you think the subtext here because he chose everyone who's going to be on the ship 
is there some sort of social engineering aspect going on? I'm not sure. I mean, we'll we'll find out, I think, as we get into the next episode. But they're clearly playing with something. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is a little, a little of that. I just, I don't know if I quite understand what it's, they're going for. This is just coming to me, like, right now, top of my head. But do you think maybe the long game of this show is that, A, there is no planet, or B, when they get there, it would be revealed that, like, the rest of Earth can't come. Like, we've been socially engineering you to be the only colonist. I think it's something along that. I think what it is is they're, what the reason they're going for is not is not the reason that they've been sent for. That's at the very least going to be that. Because uh, Admiral Beasley's never set up as, like, villainous exactly. Because he's never, he's never really, no. like, a messenger. But no, he's but he's, he's, he's up not, to something. He's not trustworthy. But yeah, but like he seems like it's not like oh I'm not, I'm gonna get these kids or like it it seems to be like he's doing something and like certainly he thinks it's good what he's doing so like I don't know there seems to be some weird subtext mm-hmm. I keep trying to like I'm like where are they going with this I'm curious we'll see if they uh if it if it falls we get a little through. more in the next yeah, yeah in the next uh, TV movie they're worried about the ship that's following them though because they don't know what it is and they reveal they only have hand weapons on the ship or they do have some long range weapons but they haven't been assembled. Is they're that like, what they said? They're like, it'll take three months to assemble these long-range weapons we brought with us. That's one of the downsides of sending a crew within 48 hours. You just didn't finish the ship. Yeah, there's not enough time. But uh, Captain Brown uh, offers to make them a rail gun to defend themselves. That's right, right. And uh, Beanie's assigned to be his helper on it? Yeah, they, they really want to build it. They're like, he's his sidekick. They're they're going to be the... They're, uh, grouping off and that's gonna be the team you're gonna like these two that play off yeah each other. i mean they do a little and the whole thing is like them bonding over the mm. building this and like how beanie had a tough time at the academy because he was such an oddity they studied him and like he develops empathy for this kid and mm-hmm. like it is it is yeah they're like oh these two are gonna have a father-son sort of relationship right. he's he, gonna show him how to nail that computer <laughs> <laughs> no he's gonna he's he's into the comms later right that's right right it's huxley who wants to well huxley doesn't want it either huxley's afraid of the computer yeah, the computer doesn't know what's happening. The computer is a little aggressive. But Lanny from comms, the one who uh, warned us about the psychiatrist, uh, she's going to get what's coming to her for <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. trying to rat him out. Now, let me ask you. So what we learn is there's some sort of malfunction again in the ship. The second one now we've seen. First, the airlock. I know this. And what it is is something goes wrong with her cryo sleep. Yeah. And the result of which is that she doesn't die, but she's not in good shape. So she's she's injured enough mentally or whatever it is that... Yeah, she goes to sleep she can't in the cryo thing. We see someone come in and mess with the controls. Uh, Captain Jonathan sees a flashing light, runs down to try to save her, and uh, Dr. Sally shows up and they say... The thing... The, what is it? The executive says she's uh, fallen below the threshold of consciousness. And there's nothing they can do to help her. They can just put her back into cryosleep and hopefully right. she'll heal herself in cryosleep. But I didn't understand how she got injured to begin with i think it was just he the the guy came in i think he just like it's, it's probably something like turning down the oxygen or something it's it's just right. like some sort of tweaking of the cryosleep right. chamber basically and it seems like a lot of like they said like anyone with level four clearance or above can do this and i'm like you guys need to like figure walk. this out that's a little too i i think right. people sh- if if you can kill someone in their sleep maybe you should have higher access levels to it point being uh, she's out of the show now. Like she's just asleep. She's just a body. She's, in the she's some sort of coma now. I mean, yeah. we'll see if she stays that way. But I, as soon as they put her out, I was just like, "This is your only person of color on the show." And did you just kill her? Yeah. Well, <laughs> classic 1988. It's 88. Yeah. Now that uh, she's kind of been taken out of it, someone took her out. Captain Jonathan's really going to take this uh, Doctor Eugene, the psychiatrist, as the bad guy yeah, he, theory he, a little more seriously. Yeah, he really goes for it, and he really reams the guy out. Well, he, he like chases him down and he's just like, 
oh, hey, Captain, I'm almost done those reports you want. And he's just like, I don't trust you. He's just like, oh, hold on, man. Let me tell you really quickly. Um, I think calling Beanie Beanie is going to really affect his self-esteem. Like they start talking. Like, yeah. The psychiatrist starts telling him about Beanie and like how they probably shouldn't give he's him a nickname. He's just desperate to talk to someone. He's like trying to fill him in. And I'm just like, all right, Captain, just get to it. Tell him he's a killer. And then the captain gets paid. He's like, well, I, I, I got to go. I'll finish this later. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, well, definitely. There's lots to tell you, but we'll wait till later. I'm pretty sure you murdered someone, but yeah. I, I got I to gotta go deal with something. Yeah. As Huxley says, uh, the computer's having a fit. <laughs> but what it is is the computer is freaking out because there's another error in that, escape, uh, that airlock. Could you believe there's going to be two airlock disasters in one show? Well, I mean, they built the set. Again, I'm never going to an airlock. Never. It's where the railgun's kept too. <laughs> but uh, he runs down to check on the yep. airlock and the railgun, and we discover the true culprit of this whole conspiracy on the ship. Yeah, it's the gym teacher. Classic move. It's of course, always it was. the gym teacher. And what what I liked about this scene though is, so the airlock is not very big. It's a uh, it's a real Raymond Chandler, eh? It's the gym yeah. teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's funny. Um, it, the room is maybe like eight by eight. Let's say it's not a big room, and right in the middle of the room is is it's the it's the gun thing it's the right? rail gun yeah the big the rail, rail gun, gun which takes up most of the room yep. but you still want this fight scene between the two of them so so there's a lot of them very benny hill sort of running around the gun and then jumping over the gun and trying to fight but it's just like it's hard to choreograph the fight because there's not enough room and i really enjoyed that just how clumsy it was i mean and they kept it short at least yeah it doesn't go very long like i like looked away for like five seconds to make a note when i looked up the captain was blowing the gym teacher out the airlock, and I'm like, all right, it's over, I guess. Yeah, they basically, they're fighting to who's going to do it, and then last minute, the captain... Uh, gets outside uh, the door. He, he gets outside the door, closes the door, and the other guy blows out. And we get to see the exact same scene of someone blowing out of an airlock. You're ready for egress, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You're going to also say that when you go to the washroom. <laughs> so what do you say at first? Power up? What is it you say? Engines boost. Yeah, yeah engines boost. And then you say... <laughs> egress out or whatever <laughs> anyway it doesn't matter you're not you're not even here right <laughs> <No>. now <laughs> so it turns out when he goes back to apologize to the psychiatrist for accusing him <laughs> right yeah that uh uh gym teacher brody's psych evaluation had been forged dr eugene actually had been looking for him to tell him this so when the captain stopped him he wanted to call him a murderer and the psychiatrist wanted to be like oh uh, someone's forged but neither of them got around to the point before no. they ran away from because <laughs> As per usual, the conversation of Beanie is so interesting. They had to get that out of the way first. We got to talk about this me- this nickname he has. <laughs> um, and they also have found a particle beam transmitter hidden on the ship, which is theoretically sending their location to whatever the ship that's following them is. So they decide it's time to like lose the ship that's following them. So they shove that in the railgun and just blast it into mm-hmm. space. And what Admiral Beasley sees is they've changed course dramatically. Yeah, it's clearly the homing signal that they've been following. So they go to follow it. I just have a quick question for you because, like, Beasley's like, change our ship's course. Let's keep following them. As they, his, like, little calm shot off, he looks out into space and he's just like, Huxley, get that ship back on a course. Do you think that's just him being like, Huxley, you're the navigator. What are, like, what are you doing? Or do you think, is that an implication that Huxley is another mole? That's what I thought. I don't know if it's a mole, but I think he's, um, he may have been given some, he's been given some sort of, um, secondary mission. Right, 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 right. by this guy. I kind of felt the same way, but I was like, maybe not. There's some intrigue. There's some yeah. intrigue on the show. It's not bad. And you know what? That really feels like that wraps up a plot for an episode, right? Like they found you, the mole. You would think. Covered it all up. But then they're like, they're like, you know what? Time to get into second gear. There's like, oh, we still got 20 minutes left. <laughs> yeah. Why don't, why don't we uh, start a new episode? We're, we're already here. Yeah. 
It it did feel like a weird like there should have been an end there, and they went nah. It's funny because basically what we're watching is two TV movies, right? Yeah, and they're each an hour and a half approximately. Mm-hmm. Three hours, three episodes halfway like at the yeah. end of like it feels like maybe they originally wrote three episodes you're probably like, right eh, restructure this into two tv movies for us because it did feel like a solid like a complete solid end to a show that really sets up an entire pilot and then we kind of get off on just a new adventure a new adventure which we don't finish yeah we just stop halfway through yeah a hundred percent what they get is a, a distress call coming from expo tomorrow <laughs> is that what it was called it's uh, expo tomorrow it is a. It was a satellite built as the last World's Fair venue. Oh, in, I didn't catch that in 2020. Oh wow! Next year. Next year's the final expo. Yeah, and it's on a satellite in space. <laughs> wow, we got everyone better get their act together. That's true. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, world, the final World's Fair, uh, was a huge failure. So they abandoned the satellite and uh, ejected it into space. <laughs> As you do. It's like, well, that didn't work. I don't know. Just fired off in space. Well, they figure there's so much space garbage out there anyway. Just add Just to it. Uh, but, you know, they get a stress signal. So uh, let's investigate. Let's yeah. get the Scooby gang together. They take a shuttle down to the satellite. And it's actually great. I, I don't know how you felt, but it is it is the Vancouver Expo 86 Soviet Pavilion. Mm-hmm. So they're shooting on location at this old Expo it, Pavilion. It, it looks fun. Yeah, it looked fun. It my note was that it looked like the the underground world from Little Monsters, which might just be for just for me. I said that to Laura, and she just walked out of the room, so she wasn't as interested as I was. But it also has a bit of that feel that we've seen in a couple of the low-budget shows. What comes to mind is Tech War. Remember yeah. that one weird episode where there was just a bunch of floats and stuff? I do. Because what this, this sort of world, let's call it a world ship or whatever... It's just all black. So the walls are black. The, the floor is black. So it's hard to tell. It's not defined as where anything is. But in the middle of it is just weird rides and bits of like cars you kind of and see, like, ships old planes and, stuff. and yeah. things. I mean, because they establish it. I mean, it's probably why they established it as a World's Fair satellite. Because they're like, it's going to look like World's Fair once we got there. I, I thought it was at least they're like, whatever is yeah. what it is. So let's just ride around it. And eventually they'll do flip on the lights and you'll get to see a little bit more of it. Yeah. And yes, it definitely looks like a World's Fair set, but it kind of is fun. Like it's at least fun to look at. Like yeah, it's, it's interesting w- looking. There's it's, like planes and stuff in the background. And- it's weird and like it, and what we're gonna find is uh, this distress signal is sent out. It's uh, but it's an OTZ trap. Classic. So, Isn't that a classic OTZ trap? Yeah, the mysterious malicious group we heard about at the beginning is has has that we're finally gonna meet some of them and. Um, it, they're they're trying to capture passing ships, I guess. They come across a guy who's he looks like he's just like like collecting garbage or something. Yeah. And uh, the the old Captain Brown recognizes s- recognizes him as an old crew member. Well, I think and, he's the guy he shot out of the airlock originally. Oh, okay. I didn't. Anyway, so that's him. But he's got a beard now too, as you do if you stuck in space. And um, they like have their little reunion. But yes, you find out they've been constantly sending out distress signals, which you've seen in sci-fi shows before. Yeah, yeah. You know. it's a classic plot. Yeah. Yeah, you send it distress signals, you get people there, and they're like, no, no, let's get back up to your ship. But before they get to the ship, they get attacked by, like, circus people. That's what they look like. Well, it is true. Uh, what comes out is, like, people in, like, the thrift the <laughs> thrift store version of the Warriors or something. It was very, yeah, they're very colorful and interesting it, it's looking. It's that post-apocalyptic Mad Max you kind of yeah. like, yeah, they just wear whatever they can find. What was kind of interesting, though, is, uh, and I don't know if you caught all of this, but, like, they come out, they capture them. And uh, the guy who's kind of they met beginning kind of explains that like, oh, these are warrior guilds. This is like a warrior society. And it isn't technically the OTZ. 
apparently the OTZ is underground, he says. Oh, I thought working... it was the OTZ. Well, that's what I thought initially, too. But there's there's a line about the OTZ is underground working in labs. These are just the warrior guilds. Like, these are just kind of maybe some, like, hmm. they are, I think, some barbarians they kind of, like, keep to defend them, maybe? I think we'll find out more next episode, but they, they imply that this isn't like the real OTZ. But they're really, they're like the Foot Clan to Shredder, who we're yeah. going to see very soon. Well, not only are they that, they're the old crew of Captain Brown. Like These yeah. are the old crew. And in fact, they're, li- they're run by, their leader is Old Vance. But he's gone, not only has he gone crazy, what has he done to his hair? He is bald except for a huge ponytail on the back of his head yeah but it's like a puffy ponytail yeah it's insane and, and his- he also wears like well, what do you describe his jacket it's like it's three sizes too big at least in the shoulders well he's yeah it's got it's like huge 80 shoulder pads all white it's like a white suit jacket that's really long to the waist with just huge shoulder pads in it yeah it's, it's sort it's of great. like he raided like steve harvey's like wardrobe exactly exactly uh, um and vance has also changed his name Oh, what is it now? Uh, he goes by Top Dog now. <laughs> he goes by Top Dog? Yeah, because what we come to learn is this is like a warrior society, sort of like the Fremen in Dune or something where you can right. battle for supremacy and like some dude with a stick will challenge him to a battle. And it's like, that's too spot on though. Top, like, dog. top Dog. Top Dog. Top Dog. Top Dog. Yeah, yeah. And he, it's great. He's sitting in like a Thunderdome-esque room where he has, to, right. like, he has to climb down a set of stairs. He, no, no, he, but he doesn't climb down. Every single time he jumps down one level, and then jumps down another level very impressively. It, Basically, like, like if you want to fight me, did you just see what I did? I just jumped down, like, six feet. It's very, like, Star Trek, the original series, like, battle. Yes, like, it is. It's funny, because coming from the first, like, the first part of this episode, it's a little more serious and a little more, like, science-oriented and a little more, like, TNG. It takes a shift. And then it's sort of, the second episode is, like, it introduces, it still has those elements, but it introduces the idea that, like, oh, there's going to be weird characters that are a little more, like, original series mm-hmm. or something you're going to bump into. But anyway, Top Dog fights this dude with a stick. Uh, they fight over a pit because that's like you can fall in the pit if you fight. Yeah, you basically, they establish very quick, as you said. So it's a warrior race. There's some sort of um, whoever wins. You beat kind of the is, leader, you're the leader. Yeah, but like you're not going to beat this guy because he's got this like like a little silver wrist thing that he can, essentially in the middle of the fight, the guy's trying to fight him and he just immediately shoots out. Yeah, his bracelet shoots lasers. And it just like knocks the guy down and they're like, fight over. Here's my question for you. Did Stick Guy not know he had that? I thought the same thing. I was like, you must have seen him have other fights. He's clearly going to use that move, but you still you just showed don't up with plan a stick. for it? You showed up with a long stick. I know. Come up with, come up with a shield. It was very funny. I, I, I saw it. I'm just like, stick guy. You must have known that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the, the battle ends real quick. It ends really quick. Um, and it'll do a quick cutaway here because they cut back up to the ship and they left, they left Beanie in charge, as you do. He's panicking a bit. And that, uh, and Admiral Beasley has like tracked them down since they shot that thing off because yeah. they found the transmitter. They're like, no, they lost us. So that little blip comes them on the radar, and Beanie's like, "You guys, we gotta run away and hide." And they're like, "But, but Captain Beanie, acting Captain Beanie, they're down on the planet." He's like, eh, "They'll find us. We can let us go hide." Yeah. So they they take off. They take off, and I'm like, "Well, I guess we'll find out what happens next." But, but yeah. like, so that's plot line off on that distance. The, the that ship's gone. Yeah, we come back to this uh, to the expo. Old Captain Brown, he he wants revenge on uh, Top Dog for the mutiny from earlier. Yeah. And he's also kind of got a plan to help the kids get away. Uh, Huxley pickpocketed a guy who walked by, and so he has the keys to the cage they're locked in. Yeah. I think that, and that was the scene to show that he was good with, with magic. Oh, right. The magic he's, thing. He can also grab coins. It all yeah. comes together yeah. in the end. You're so smart, Jordan. Thanks. <laughs> um, Off the charts. 
Yeah, we can't even test how smart you are. It's impossible. <laughs> the arrow just goes to the edge of the page and just, just, it just keeps off. just keeps falling off the bottom. <laughs> um, but yeah, what here? Kevin Brown's like, I'll challenge this guy to a fight to the death. When I do that, you guys use that chance to break away and run away, yeah. and then uh, you know I'll meet you at the ship and we'll escape or whatever. This is where it kind of ends in his cliffhangers. Like they fight him and Top Dog fight for a few minutes, and it sort of ends with like. Captain Brown's head hanging over the pit and Top Dog yeah. like leaning him over. But, the but pit. he gets to kick him a few times. That's his yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a little fight. He, they kick. He shoots his laser. And, and we end. And we end on that cliffhanger of like, what's going to happen? The ship's flown away. These guys are fighting. Uh, the other guy has a key. Let me tell you what's going to happen because Top Dog is over. Like, Captain Brown's on his back. I know. Top Dog, we all he's know just going to flip him over his back and fall him in the pit. It's yeah. like, I'm like, all right, let's do it. All right. <laughs> anyway. But also, yes. why didn't he just use his little laser right away in the fight? Uh, he, he was trying to show uh he's showboating captain that's brown. classic top dog top dog he has still he still has a grudge against uh, yeah. captain brown we don't know captain brown is probably a bad captain he might be that, that mutiny might have been worth it it might have been totally justified yeah um but yeah that, that that's how kind of the episode of this pilot tv movie wraps up as a little to be continued pops up and they're like come back next week for the conclusion of this fight over a pit yeah um now let me ask you before we get into the ratings mm-hmm it's 1988. Mm-hmm. You're six years old. Yes. You might be a little young for this. But if you had been watching this at the time, like this was Star Trek had just started. I remember when Star Trek Next Generation started and I was watching it. And that was what, 87? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, it'd be, this is probably like six months after Star yeah, Trek so Next like, Generation. Would you have, and I read that this was one of the things that they rushed to air because Star Trek was popular and they're like, we need a Star Trek. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure yet. But um, would you have watched this thing? Yeah. I probably would have too. I think I said it like it's it's just sciency enough like there's just enough like good ideas in there, you know they're not fully developed yet but there's just like enough like here's how society works and here's how the ship's engines work and like it, none of it feels like it feels like someone cared it feels like it's the opposite of space rangers like people thought about what I it was going to do and how that was going to work and I do appreciate that about it. I honestly when we started watching and it was like all those kids I legitimately was like when the, all the kids ages came up I was just like this is going to be unwatchable. And I found it to be much more engaging than I thought it was ever going to be, for sure. I mean, listen, it's not high art, but it has those elements of like an Ender's Game or something, mm-hmm. or maybe a Space of Beyond, like something in between those. It's not right. as well developed exactly, but it's kids in space, but they're not perco- they're not as precocious and like no, it's it's cloying as you think. They're, they're kids, but just because of the reason they need them to be for this the whole thing they're. For the age they need to be to make this trip but they don't push into it any more than they have a couple of scenes where they're like i might have a crush on someone yeah but i mean they're also not like annoyingly smart or too adult either like i don't know i i found that it was i there's a few ways this could have gone where it would have just been like unbearable and it managed to like thread the mm-hmm. needle a little bit anyway for me so well, let's read it well you go first like i said i think i was pleasantly surprised by this it was a lot more fun there's a lot more nuance to it than i ever expected it's an 8.5, I think. Oh, my. It's not an 8.5. Oh, I would recommend people watch this. Uh, here's what I say. I think this would have benefited tremendously for cutting out about a half an hour. What if they just dropped that last half and had three episodes? Yeah. Well, but, but that's not what this is. This is an hour and a half episode. But I, I still, yeah. I still think it's I still. Out. I think I thought there was parts of it I quite liked. I found the wooden acting and some of the dialogue a little bit just bothered me um and i don't think they developed a lot of stuff uh i'm only gonna go with a 6.5 that's insane is it is it insane 
you've you've given much worse shows much better <laughs> it's i just i thought for the amount of content they had they jammed it all i know and i know i know you're probably right this was probably three episodes they jammed all the interesting stuff in the last bit it felt like there was a long 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 setup to get to a cliffhanger i'm i'm just surprised because we have watched even in the last year, much worse programming than that. Yeah, there's been, there's been worse this, programming. I would actually say this may be one of the best things we've watched this year. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Name name what was better. What Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes was better. I think there was, That's some, it. there was some solitary episodes of things that were probably better than this. I don't know if there were. I'd have to look at the list. I think for me, this this might be a high point for, no, this, for yeah, the year this year. Different strokes. Yeah. A 6.5. You're out of your mind. Well, this it's definitely not an 8.5. It, I mean, I honestly think it is an 8.5. It, oh, it's almost well, I know a you nine. do. I know you do. It's almost a 9. <laughs> no, it's so not. You, you could... So, of a 9, this this show, this hour and a half show where they walk around the ship is an, is almost a 9. Yeah, I think so. Well, well there we are. I, I very much enjoyed it. Well, that's good. <laughs> fight, we got, fight, fight. No, no, we're not fighting. Just, Let's we got kick another, each other. We got, another, we got another hour and a half. But right now, we're coming at an average of that's about, about a 7. Yeah, 7.5. So sure, seven point five. Sure, that's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if uh, you for some reason happen to catch this one was on and have any memories or thoughts about uh, Earth Star Voyager from uh, nineteen eighty eight, that watch those two weekends in a row. Yeah, two weekends. Uh, you can email us at continuum drag. Of, I always do this wrong. Continuum drag at gmail dot com. <laughs> the uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are at continuum drag, where we'll have some clips from the show up there. Um, but uh, I guess next week we'll come back. We'll finish it off. We'll see uh, how, how this all wraps up. We'll see if you go down, I go up. Uh, who knows? Who knows? You never I know. mean, probably. I usually, I usually go down. Usually go up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but Jordan, uh, it was fun this week. Uh, see yeah, you next week. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this ends. Great. See you then. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.